We began last week talking on this subject of guardrails, so we're going to continue that today. If you take your Bibles, go to the book of Proverbs. In just a few minutes, we're going to get there. We're going to be looking in the book of Proverbs. Today, I'm going to talk about this subject, why can't we be friends? Uh, as you're kind of getting prepared for that, let me greet our campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm glad you're with us today. I'm excited about everything God is doing in each and every one of our campuses, and we're believing today that the Word of God is going to touch your life today and transform you as we move forward in this process of learning how to place guardrails in our life. Now, let me, get, let me give you the definition of guardrails, all right? We got, we've got a guardrail up here. Here's the guardrail. The, the reason we put this up here is this way you'll know what the sermon's going to be about, all right? So, so here's what a guardrail is. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. That's what a guardrail is. It's, it's to keep you. Now, now, here's some interesting things about guardrails. Guardrails are not placed in the actual area of danger. In other words, if the guardrail was not there, you could drive right on the edge. You could, you could get even closer to that uh, side of that road if the guardrail wasn't there. But the guardrail is placed just inside the danger zone. It's, it's just right on this side of where the danger zone is. We, we know that on the other side of the guardrail, there's a problem. And so the guardrail is set so that you and I won't get there. So we're going we're to find that if we cross the guardrail, we're in trouble. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that in all of our lives that our greatest regrets, the things that we messed up the most, could have been avoided if we simply had had some moral, some ethical, some relational, some financial, some professional, and I could go on and on. If we had some of those types of guardrails in our life, we would not be living with some of the regrets, some of the problems, and even some of the destructive things that we've seen in our lives if we had established some guardrails. Now, if guardrails are needful in the natural Natural to keep you safe, guardrails are also needed in the spiritual to keep you in line with what God has. So our definition, and I hope you're right, we'll write this down. Our definition of a guardrail uh, in, in our spiritual walk with God is this: it is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. In other words, you, you place this there, and it's in your life. You know, Listen, when we cross the guardrail, when we get out there in the abyss, we know we've messed up, and our conscience starts talking to us. How many of you know when you get in the sin, the Lord talks to you, right? But what I'm saying to us is why don't we place some guardrails on this side of the abyss, on this side of the train wreck, on this side of the problem, so that when we bump up against that, that you and I find ourselves already our conscience begins to talk to us. Don't you know that when a car hits a guardrail, that it's better off for the car, it's better off for the occupants to hit the guardrail than it is to wind up where the other side of the guardrail is. And so in our lives as believers, as Christians, and even as people today, maybe you're not walking with Christ, but these still are needful in your life, that you've come to that place of saying, you know what, I want to live my life in such a way that I've placed 
place some guardrails in my life so that I am not going to find myself in a mess on the other side of life somewhere. I'm going to learn how to do this. So today I specifically want to talk to you about your friends about your associates, about uh, the people you run with, about your posse, about your amigos, about your crew. I don't know what you call it, but, but those people uh, that you hang with, those people that you run with, those people that you spend time with. Now, now, now here's what we know. When we were children, when we were young adults and, and even teenagers, we know that our parents were fanatical about who we hung out with. I mean, your, your parents wanted to know. I, I can remember growing up, my mom wanted to know, who are you going with, where are you going to go, what are you going to do, and when are you going to be back? Right? Anybody else have that kind of mean parent? I, I mean, and, and they, they were, I mean, I know of parents who have taken their kids out of a school and switched them to another school. Because of who they were running with, who, who they were surrounding themselves with. And, and, I, and I can remember growing up, that there were certain people's houses that I wanted to go to. And, and, my, and my parents, and, and especially uh, my father was killed when I was 14, but as I, I grew older, my mom would say, uh, you can't go there. And I'd go, why can't I go to their house? You know, their parents are never there. We can do anything we want to. And that was exactly why I couldn't go there. You know, but, but there were all these rules, there were all these things. And, and, and literally, I, I've seen parents uh, pick up and move to, to get their family, to get their children uh, away from that. Uh, I mean, I, I believe that, that if they could, most of us, our parents would have, have arranged our marriage if they could have. I mean, they were, they were that involved. And, and you know what? We thought it was crazy. We thought it was off the wall. We thought it was ridiculous until, until we became the parent. Until we became the one who was trying to give direction. And all of a sudden, what mama and daddy used to say, you, you swore you wouldn't say those things. I mean, you said, if I ever get out of this house, I'm never going to say those things my mama and daddy said to me. I'm never going to say, if you put your feet under this table. Come on, y'all ever heard that speech, didn't you? You're going to live by the rules of this house. I'm never going to say that to my kids. I'm never going to say to my kids, birds of a... Feather, flock, together. I'm never going to say to my children, if so-and-so jumped off the bridge, would. But guess what? We grew up. We got older. We had children. We had the same thing. Now, now here's what's cool about this generation, though, is, is that where I, you know, from, from my age, you, you kind of got away from the house once you got your driver's license. But now, man, you, you can electronically survey your children all the time. I, I mean, you can go, all you got to do is go on their Facebook account. You know, check up how many minutes they've been using. You know, uh, look, look, look and see what's going on, on on all the aspects of life. And, and you know, and you say, why do we do that? We do that because we understand, just like your mom and daddy understood, that your friends determine what happens in your life. Now, we, we may have gotten a little bit older, and some of us are, uh, you know, in our 40s and 50s and whatever, but I want to tell you, your friends still determine the quality of your life. And, and so what, what you've got to understand is that, that, that there is, there's a couple of things that make friendship really wonderful. Uh, but it's, it's those very things that make friendship so wonderful that make them so dangerous. Now, now follow me. 
we all love to have friends. But, but let me show you a couple of things about friendships that can make them really dangerous. Number one is, is that when we're with our friends, we drop our guard. When you're hanging out with, with, with your people, when you're hanging out with, with your friends, that's the most vulnerable you ever are. Be, because they are in your life and they are there for a purpose. And, and he, here's the deal, and here's the second aspect about this whole thing about friendship, is that we crave acceptance. Everybody wants to be accepted. Even the person who says, I don't care if anybody likes me, they're lying. We crave acceptance. And acceptance, when you are in an environment where you are accepted, you drop your guard and it leaves you open to influence. And that's not just when you're 12 or when you're 16 or when you're 19. That's when you're 30, that's when you're 60, that's when you're 80. Any time in life, those people that are closest to you, those people that are your friends, you have now dropped your guard, and the one thing that you want is that you want to be accepted and you want to fit in. I, I want to tell you, most of us in our lives have found that the first time we did anything that became a destructive habit in our life, we did it in a group. The first time you took a drink, the first time you smoked a cigarette, the first time you looked at porn, the first time, whatever it is, the first time usually it was done with somebody else. It was done with a friend. It was done with a person who was influencing you to do that in your life. And your greatest regret does not come from something that happened with an enemy. Think about it. Your greatest regret comes from somebody who you were with, who was a friend. And so it's vital that we understand that, is that our friends influence the direction and the quality of our life. Who I surround myself with, who I bring into my life, determines what's happening in my life. Now, for some of you who are nervous and thought I was just testifying, let me read a scripture. Go to the book of Proverbs, the 13th chapter. Because you're saying he hadn't read a scripture yet, so I can't buy this. Well, let's get into the scripture. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20. Now, remember that Solomon is called the wisest man who ever lived. In fact, I found through the years is that if you would study the book of Proverbs, there are 31 Proverbs. I'll give you a little advice here. There are 31 Proverbs. If you would read one proverb a day that correlates with the day of the month, you will become much wiser just by reading what Solomon says. I, I ask you to try it. One a day, read the Proverbs for that day that correlates with that day, and you'll see what begins to happen. But look what he says in the 20th verse of the 13th chapter. He says, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. Walk with the wise and become wise. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be known as a wise person. But keep reading. He says, for a companion of fools suffers what? Harm. Walk with the wise, become wise, hang out with fools, and you're going to suffer harm. Now, this scripture contains a promise and a warning. We're going to talk about it. It, it. it gives us both. It says, here's the promise. If you'll run with wise people, if you will begin to do life with those who are wise, 
you will become wise. Now that's, that's a pretty good promise. That, that's a pretty good assurance. If I want to be known as a wise person in my family, I need to look at somebody else who's had a successful family and let's hang out with them. Do you realize that it doesn't say the person who has the best IQ? It doesn't say the person who makes the most money. It doesn't say anything. It says if you want to be wise, hang out with those who are wise. See, wisdom is contagious. Wisdom rubs off. Wisdom is wonderful. And the the Bible says that if you'll walk with with those people. In other words, if you'll just do life with somebody who is wise. Do you want to be successful in your finances? How many of you would want to be successful in your finances? Then find somebody who is successful. Don't go and ask the person who's always broke how you should handle your money. I mean, how dumb. I mean, I, and I don't want to get in trouble here. But, but one of the craziest things that I see when I go to the hospital is to see the doctors and the nurses, I'm going to get in trouble, out in the smoking pavilion. And I just drive by and go, huh? You guys see it day in and day out. You know what it does, and you're out here hanging. Right? If I want to have wisdom, I'm going to hang out with wise people. And you say, well, what what does wisdom mean in the Bible? Here's what wisdom means when you study the Scripture. Wisdom in the Bible means that a wise person understands that life is connected and they live accordingly. In other words, what they say is, whatever I do today has impact on the rest of my life. If I cheat today, it's going to impact tomorrow. If I don't do right today, it's going to make a difference six months from now, a year from now. If I cheat on my taxes now, there are consequences down the road. If I do what's right now, then I'm going to reap the benefit down the road. That's what it means to be wise. But the Scripture says, now, now interestingly, uh, if I had written this Scripture, I would have said, uh, walk with the wise and become wise, and if you're a companion of fools, you will be a fool. Right? But that's not what it says, is it? Look at it. Here's what it says. For a companion of fools suffers harm. It does not say if you run with fools, you'll become a fool. It just says you are going to be exposed to the shrapnel of life that's going to bring harm into your life. So the promise is hang out with wise, you're going to become wise. The warning is you run the risk of something bad happening to you if you run with fools. Now, I I don't know about you, but here's what I find. This is where the deception kind of comes in in our lives. And, and we, we tell ourselves, you know what? I'm not really like them. Since I'm not as bad, I'm not as wild, I'm not as freaky, I'm not as... So I'll be all right. Now watch. The warning is not that the companion of fools 
is going to become and do everything a fool does. It's just that your life is going to experience damage and destruction because you're hanging out with the wrong people. Now, what's a fool? Well, in the book of Proverbs, a fool is someone who knows right from wrong but doesn't care. Did you hear me? They know what's right and wrong. Listen, in fact, the, the Bible tells you not to even give advice to a fool. It, it's not like that, that, that a fool doesn't know that if they spend credit cards and, and, and live life in the stupid way that they're going to wind up in bankruptcy. They don't know that. And so you walk up and say, hey, you really ought to get rid of your credit cards and you really ought to live on a budget. And a fool goes, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can't believe nobody ever told me that. A fool just goes, ah, that's what bankruptcy court's for. It's not walking up to a fool and saying, you know what? If you eat those cheese fries, and it doesn't matter that you rebuke the calories in Jesus' name when you prayed. If you eat those, it will clog your arteries and your belly will grow. Oh, thank you. I just was waiting. Oh, that's what they have medication for. See, a fool knows that there's problems, but they don't understand that down the road, the whole process of life is going to be altered in such a way that they will never recover. See, here's the deal. The warning has to do with proximity. If you hang out with fools, you're going to be damaged. Now, uh, and, and I'll deal with this later, and some people are sitting there, well, well what, what about reaching out to the lost, and what about loving people? We'll, we'll talk about that, so just hang on, all right? Let me give you some tools to use in your life first. L let me help you. Friends who aren't careful with their lives are not going to be careful with your life. Friends that cheat on their companions are not going to warn you when they see you getting ready to mess up your marriage. Friends who are irresponsible in their finances are not going to be responsible with your finances. Friends who cheat will only feel better if you do so with them. Friends who break the law won't try to stop you from breaking the law when they know where you're going to wind up. And, and so there, there's got to be some guardrails. We've, we've got to determine in our lives that, you know what, I want to establish some things in my life that's going to keep me from experiencing the damage, maybe not of something I've done, but something someone else did. I dare say if, if I were to take a few minutes here that there are many of you who could come today and who could stand before this camera and you could give testimony of a friend or somebody you know that because they were with the wrong person, the wrong crowd, the wrong time, they wound up in jail, they wound up in a wheelchair, they wound up in a messed up marriage, they wound up in something that was destructive, not because of something they did. but because of who they surrounded themselves with. 
Now, what's, what's interesting is, is that I've been doing this a long time, and, and I can tell from the, from the body response today. The body language is a little tense today because people are going, well, he just doesn't understand. No, the problem is, is that I do understand. Now, I want to give you some things to put in your life. Can, can I give you some guardrails today? I, I, I can't find these in Scripture, but, but I think that they're good guardrails in friendship that you ought to have that comes out of this passage that I've read to you. I'm, I'm going to give you four or five things, okay? Your conscience should light up when, when these four or five things I'm going to talk about today happen in your life, okay? Number one, the number one thing guardrail that you need to have in your life, and your conscience ought to just go all right? When your core group, those people you hang with, are not moving in the direction that you want your life to go in. When the people that you hang out with, when the couples that you go to eat with, when their life is going in a direction that you really, if you were to step back and you say, you know what, I really don't want to have that kind of a marriage. I really don't want my kids to act like their kids. I really don't want to be under the pressure financially that that family is under. Because, see, people will say, oh, yeah, go ahead. Get that bigger car. Get that bigger house. Man, go ahead. We've done it. Go sit with them when they're trying to pay their bills and they're sweating blood. And they owe everybody and their dog. Listen, just because somebody drives up in a new whatever does not mean they've got two dimes to rub together. There are so many people faking it, it's not funny. And, and, and you need to come to that place of saying, wait a minute, this group I'm hanging with, these people that I'm with, teenagers and, and college students, th those people that you are with day in and day out, if they are moving away from where you want your life to go, that ought to be a warning sign to you. It says, this is not what I want out of life. Secondly, this ought to be the second warning. This ought to be the second part of the guardrail. When you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than you really are. When somebody comes up to you and says, I don't even recognize you when you hang out with them. Oh, hallelujah. You even talk different when you're with them. You say things that are different when you're with them. You act any time that you are in that pressure cooker where it brings you to the point where you are living a lie, it's time to wake up and say, I may be running with a bunch of fools. And the Bible says, and pastors said, and my mama said, my mama always said, life is like a box. No. <laughs> that there is this whole aspect that I'm different. If I have to change to be with you, I'm in trouble. Thirdly, well, we're going to shout in a minute, I can tell. Your conscience ought to light up when you feel pressure to compromise. When you feel the pressure to do things that you've never done. 
I mean, how many college kids have gone to college that first year and they've never drunk, they've never gotten in trouble, they've been good, and they've made up in their minds, man, they're going to they're gonna turn their campus upside down for Jesus. And the first month, they do pretty good. But before long, they don't go to church and they don't hang out with the kind of people they need to hang out with. And by the end of the first semester, they put all their Christian CDs in the trunk. If you were to pick up what they're listening to on iTunes, all of a sudden everything on it would have changed. They hadn't heard a sermon in three months. Why? Because all of a sudden the fools that they are hanging with, and you can get upset for me using that term, but it's a Bible term. The fools that they are hanging with, those who don't care what's going to happen in life, have caused them to compromise. There are some of you who, because of your business, because of where you are, you have compromised the things that you know God has called you to do. You do things when you are out of town with the boys. You wouldn't ever go to a strip club in town. Wow, it gets quiet in the church house. But... You're on the trip, and you're a 1,000 miles away from home, and everybody else is going. You wouldn't get drunk at home, but everybody else is, and you're compromised. And all of a sudden, you find yourself living a lie. And you come back to town, and you come back to the city that you live in, and you put this facade on, and you may get away with it, for a while, but I promise you there's going to be an explosion someday, and it may not be something you've done. It may be somebody else. Whew. Number four, your conscience ought to light up when you hear yourself saying, I'll go, but I won't participate. I know they're having a party, and I know everybody's going to be smoking God only knows what and drinking anything else. But I'm just going to go. Well, Pastor, I'm going to be a light. <laughs> you're going to be lit. That's what you're going to be. I'm going to make a difference. Have you ever tried to witness to a drunk? Give me a break. I mean, they'll cry about anything. I mean, people that are stoned, they'll, they'll, oh, yeah, man, you're right, dude. Yeah, oh, yeah, man, that's right. Yeah, man. What's wrong with us? You know they will. Man, I'm, gonna get, man, I'm, I'm a spiritual dude, man. I, you, you haven't met spiritual people until you get around somebody's high. They're seeing all kind of angelic visitations. And, and, and the reason is, is that, that, that we, we left home, we left our family, we left our, we, whatever it was, and we, we said, we're going to be different. But we got caught up in the moment. Let me give you the last one since you're loving the first four so much. Your conscience ought to light up when you hope the people you care about the most don't find out where you've been or who you've been with. That ought to be a flashing red light 
that says, I am headed for destruction. I am going to find my life with so much fallout that it is not ever going to recover. And I don't care if you're 10, if you're in your teens, or if you're in early adulthood, or if you're in late adulthood. It does not matter. Every one of us face these pressures. And it's always, well, why can't we be friends? I don't want to be your friend because I've seen your life. Now, I, I, and I'm going to answer this because I know some of you are sitting back there going, well, I, I thought we were called to love everybody and to be witnesses and do not come to that place where you confuse a guardrail with a lack of concern or love. It's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about not loving people who are in a mess. I'm not talking about not having some people in your life that don't have a relationship with Christ. But here's what I know. Wisdom will never lead you to violate a guardrail. Can I say that again? Wisdom will never lead you to violate a guardrail. So if I am wise, then there is going to be a way that I can influence that person or those people without becoming like them. It's the thing that drives me nuts sometimes uh, about youth pastors. Thank God none of love and truth youth pastors are this way, I'm sure. But I've had youth pastors say, well, you know, I, I've got to be like them to win them. And I just look at them and say, you're nuts. You know why? Listen, those people whose lives are in such a mess, one day they're going to need help. And if you've just been hanging with them, if you've just been part of the process, they're not coming to you to ask for help. They're going to go to somebody who is in a position who's able to help them. When they find themselves in bankruptcy, they're not going to go to somebody else who is in bankruptcy. They're going to go to somebody who knows how to do a budget. When their marriage is falling apart, they're not going to look for somebody else's marriage who's in as much a mess and say, man, how are y'all doing? They're going to find somebody who's walking with integrity. Who's determined how to live life, husband and wife, and family together, and have wisdom? Now, I got a question for you. While I was talking, did somebody or somebody's come to your mind and you went, hmm? See, here's the deal. I believe with all of my heart. That a year from now, if some of you don't listen to me, that you are going to find yourself in a mess. Because, maybe not something you've done, but because of something that somebody else does that produces heartache and your life explodes because of who you've been running with. And if a year from now, if you find yourself in that place, if you find yourself standing before the judge for whatever the reason is, bankruptcy, or because you broke the law, or because you were with people, whatever the issue is, if at that moment you could push a magic button and God would let you go back one year, you'd make a different choice. So here's the deal. You're back one year. Here's your chance. 
here's your opportunity. Here's the place that you are of saying, wait a minute, I don't want to experience the destruction by hanging out with fools. Lord, I want to learn wisdom. I want to have people in my life. Listen, if you want to be a successful business person, get around successful business people. If you want to have a wonderful marriage, hang out with people who have a great marriage. If you want to be a mighty man or a mighty woman for God, hang out with somebody who's mighty for God. Don't keep playing around the edges and thinking it's never going to touch you. Because Solomon said, hang out with wise wisdom is going to come your way. But if you associate your life with fools, you're going to experience great destruction. Great fallout is going to happen in your life. 